Hi, I'm Sam Smith, and this is Bean Break with Blake. Exactly. Welcome to this episode of Bean Break, and this week our guest is Sam Smith. So, Sam, who are you? Um, oh, that's a very deep question to start off with. Um, I am a writer and a comedian. I um, I I do a lot of audience warm up for TV shows here in New Zealand. Um, I'm currently working on a show called Patriot Brains, but I do the audience warm up for seven days. Uh, for have you been paying attention when they have an audience? Um, I've done Dancing with the Stars, Family Feud, Jono and Ben, um, Taskmaster. And um, so that's one side of me. And the other side is, yes, I do lots of writing. Um, yeah, I write the tasks for Taskmaster. I'm occasionally the head writer for seven days. Um, I've worked on, I think, all of those shows that I said before. I wrote the scripts for John O'Ben, for Dancing with the Stars and Family Feud when it was on. And I just worked on, I, I work in television, <laughs> the answer. <laughs> it's safe to say you're a busy man. I try to be a busy man. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so how did you get started into the comedy scene? Um, it started quite far back, actually. When I was at high school, um, uh, I did theatre sports because I was, yeah, I like, I'd seen Whose Line Is There Anyway and thought that looked like fun. And so we did that. And then someone put up a sign saying that they were holding a comedy workshop for for, for all the, the people that at um, uh, into drama and things. And so I went along to that. And that turned out to be the tryouts for a thing called Class Comedians, which is a uh, a program in the comedy festival that they do every year. Um, they get oh yeah, high school kids around, they get them to do stand-up for the first time. And um, I I got in and it was it was amazing. It was I was in seventh form. And so we yeah, we spent two weeks going to the classic in in Auckland, which is the the main comedy venue in New Zealand, really. So we went there every day. We met all the comedians. We talked to them. They told us about joke writing and physical comedy and um, oh, so many different things. I got taught physical comedy by the guy who's now boy with tape on his face, who is very famous all around the world now. Oh wow, tape face. Uh, yeah, we, tape face. Yes, that's right. <laughs> oh yeah, his name's Sam as well, which is oh, <laughs> we had a great connection. Anyway. So we did, we did stand up in the show. We did a show, all of us doing stand up for the first time ever. Um, I won the prize at the end. There was a, a prize called the, the, um, the ultimate comedians comedian award. I might've put in the word ultimate there. <laughs> it was definitely called the comedians comedian award. And um, so, yeah, that was the, so I won that, which, um, which was, which was great. And then I went on to the natural step for comedy which as i went down to dunedin and studied dentistry um and i became i have a dentistry degree i became a dentist but um while i was down there i still liked performing and everything like that so i i started doing a bit of stand-up down there and i did a show called the capping show which is where i got into writing i'm writing little sketches like just little silly things then every year we'd put on the show that ran for a couple of weeks um in in may and it was oh just the greatest thing it's um you just hang out and be silly you write these dumb sketches with stupid puns in them and then um, a couple of thousand people come to see this show and it's 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 been running for hunt over 100 years and it's it was great so from that i sort of fell in love with writing and then when I finished my dentistry degree and I had to go out into the real world and do some work, I thought, I really like comedy stuff still and I want to keep doing it. 
And so, yeah, kept on doing stand-up, but also sent an email to the the people who made the TV show Seven Days and said, hey, can I submit jokes? And if you can, if you'd like to use them, you can use them. And if not, that's cool. And they said, uh, yeah, you're, yeah, cool. You're on the writing stuff now. Well done. <laughs> and so it was, yeah, I was fresh out of uni and got a, a TV writing credit um, a couple of months later, which was a crazy dream come true. But yeah, and it just sort of step, step, had kept doing comedy and, uh, and it's amazing. It's lovely and fun and great. That's awesome. Did you ever go into practicing dentistry and being a dentist and looking in people's mouths? Yes, I did. For five years, I worked half the time as a dentist and half the time uh, doing the writing for Jono and Ben in seven days. So, um, yeah, I did. I was, a, I was a full proper dentist. And people often don't believe me now when I say that <laughs> I used to be a proper dentist. <laughs> Do you ever miss it? Uh, I miss the money. <laughs> That was great. Man, you get so much money being a dentist. That's awesome. Um, but occasionally I'll get the urge to um, take someone's tooth out, um, just to wiggle it out and get it out. It's quite, there's something quite cathartic about doing that. Um, but, but apart from that, and the people, of course, lots of lovely people that I worked with. But um, apart from that, no, not really. Comedy's a, comedy is surprisingly a lot more fun than the industry. I feel like a psychologist would have something to say about that, um, <laughs> wanting to pull a tooth out, but okay. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> Can you tell the people why you stopped being a dentist? Yeah, well, this, is, this isn't that funny. I, um, I got diagnosed with MS. I, I have multiple sclerosis. So I woke up one morning and, um, yeah, I had no feeling in my arm or my leg. I went and got it all checked out and things. It was... Um, it was a couple. It was a couple of weeks after I'd become a dad, so um, yeah, I had this newborn at home. I wasn't sleeping much, and um, and yeah, just suddenly my body didn't work for me, which is which was a bit shitty. Um, I, from that, I lost the feeling in my hands, so I I stood aside from dentistry for a little bit while um, no one wants uh, someone flopping around with floppy hands in their mouth, um, doing the, the holding drills and sharp scalpels and stuff. Um, so. Yeah, from, and from that, I uh, I then later had another MS attack, which um, meant I lost uh, the vision in my left eye and a little bit in my right eye as well. So I'm legally blind now, which is um, which is another reason why I probably won't ever go back to dentistry, um, unless I can really convince someone to let me wiggle out one of their teeth. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that kind of forced me into doing comedy full time, which was kind of what I wanted to do anyway. So MS was a, was a lovely thing that's um, sort of pushed me um, down the path that I, uh, that I wanted to go down. What was your first reaction when you were diagnosed with MS? And were you upset that you couldn't be a dentist or that it was happening to you? Yeah, I th no, I wasn't upset. I, w I think I was quite matter of fact about it. I knew um, my granddad had MS, so I already knew quite a lot about it. Um, and it wasn't... I think also at the moment I had just become a dad. So I had this baby at home and I was kind of more focused on, on yeah, my, my new son. So I, I, I weirdly wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't too, too upset about it at all. For some people, when they get MS, they don't know anything about it. So they end up um, Googling things and seeing like the variation and some MS attack, attacks um, affects people in lots of different ways. You can either, be pretty much functional like me or you can you can be in a wheelchair all that all a wide wide spectrum of it 
and they see all sorts of things and they don't know um, how to take it all in. But I already had a sort of fairly good idea about it, which was nice. Um, but I guess I, I do say that, but anytime you're diagnosed with anything, the word diagnose is scary and awful. Um, yeah, it probably did affect me, I guess. I probably hid it away like a, like a big old brave old boy. Sounds like you had a very Kiwi attitude about it. Just she'll be right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, that's, that's probably is actually. You're right. Yeah. I remember Becky Umbers was in here and saying that just Kiwis are famous for not being able to talk about their emotions to save themselves. So I guess this is proof of it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> Becky's great. Hey, I love her. I do lots of, um, I'm, I worked with her uh, just last night, night before. That's not on, on Patriot Brains. She's very funny. Yeah, she's a very nice person. And as we were starting this, you were saying how your voice, you were trying to do a cool radio voice and your voice is high and squeaky. I was thinking, oh, not as bad as Becky, though. <laughs> Becky Umbers has the craziest voice I've ever heard. It's incredible. She's um, she's amazing. Amazing. She's going me. places, eh? Like, she's she's going to be one of those people that I'll be like, hey, we're actually friends. And people are like, no, you don't know her. She's like, no, here's a photo of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew her before she dyed her hair blonde. Wow. <laughs> I've got a question for you, Blake. Oh, no. This this show is called Bean Break. Indeed. Are you drinking coffee? Are you having a drink while we chat? I've got water, but um, I just finished a coffee three minutes before this interview started, so I thought maybe not this time. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. I'm drinking a cup of tea, and it is lovely. We don't hold that against you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I always, I always find coffee just makes me go bonkers. Like I, I get all shaky and stuff. Is it just bad bonkers, or can it be good bonkers? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, oh no, it probably is bad bonkers. I probably get very. I'm quite silly naturally, and um, and that sort of makes me a bit. Bleh, hey, bleh, what's that over there? Blah. <laughs> Speaking of, what, how would you describe your style of comedy and how has it evolved over the years? Very good question. I, um, I, I, I used to basically exclusively do one-liners and I'm still, still probably that, still little, short, little, little jokes, not really storytelling or anything like that. Uh, those are the jokes I like the most, little short things um, that you can go and tell, tell your friends and and um, share those. The problem with that is that they're really hard to write. <laughs> so, um, maybe it's that that challenge of solving that little puzzle of something that I like. But I think, um, yeah, I was exclusively that. And I'd like to say kind of clever jokes in that I talk about chemistry and physics and, and maths and stuff like that. Things that I like as a nerd and that there are other nerds out there, I think, who would like as well. Um, but but working for seven days and other sort of more uh, broad or mainstream things, I've started to joke more about um, uh, yeah, more just topical issues really, and um, and yeah, over over time, that's yeah, that's probably how I've gone. I've still I, I like I like to be a bit edgy. I like pushing the boat a little bit, pushing the boat out a little bit. So I I, I like being a bit edgy, the kind of thing that you. I guess somewhat makes you a little uneasy that you can then point out, oh, sorry, that was a bit edgy, and I, I quite like that. Um, uh, so, but I, I, I think I've done that the whole time. Um, yeah. Yeah, so a, a mix of... Um, generally, it's just being silly. I like I like silliness and people not taking things too seriously. I probably don't too much do too much political satire or anything that 
actually makes a point. I'm always like, oh, come on, let's just let's just joke about geese and and puddles. Fair enough. Do you enjoy those types of comedy though, like like satire Abs- and that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, any, anyone who's clever enough to actually know about politics and make valid points, uh, it just makes their comedy hit so much harder. And um, yeah, it's just just not something that is kind of in my wheelhouse. But I yeah, totally res- respect that, and um, and I, and I do enjoy it as well, actually. Yeah. Awesome. When you're a comic, are you able to go and watch other comedians perform and have a good time? Or are you just sitting there going, oh, that was funny. Oh, that wasn't as good. I'm thinking of other jokes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I get to watch a lot of comedy being the warm-up guy for shows. Um, there are, generally, it's it's my friends up there. So I, I just sit back and enjoy them and they make me laugh because they're funny people. So yeah, I do enjoy it. There are times where you're like, wait a minute, this audience isn't appreciating how good this is. And then other times they're like, no, that joke was a shitter. Um, But I think, yeah, I think, I think both sort of sides of that. I, I do, I do still enjoy it. Um, But yeah, you do sometimes, you get that thing when you watch movies, when you, when you know about movie structure, you're like, oh, here's a, here's the turning point. Mm. Yep. There it is. Um, but yeah, some, something about comedy just still catches me by surprise and it makes me laugh every time. Oh, that's always good. So you always mm. get to experience it like someone who's just an audience member who isn't a comedian. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, it's so cool. my, my job is basically to introduce people to, hey, you, you guys are about to watch some comedy. Please laugh. And then watch that comedy with them and laugh. <laughs> Sounds like it's a great. great I've got the gig. best job in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Please no one come for my gig. I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> so when Stephen Lyons um, shouted you out on his episode and asked that you be on, he mentioned that you just released a book. So how did you step into the world of being an author? Yeah, nice. Thank you for the plug, Stephen Lyons. He's a very good warm-up guy as well. Um, I it was, it was so great. I wrote, um, it was my son Harry's birthday coming up, and I, ju- I just wrote him a little poem. I thought I'd write him a poem that I can read to him um, on, his, on his birthday. It was about animals at a zoo setting up this, a surprise party for Harry for his birthday. And then I sent it to my mum, who is a, um, she's a children's librarian, so I thought, oh, she can just say if there are any tweaks I could do or anything like that. The next thing she said was that she had forwarded it to her literary agent. She, my mum's written um, a couple of books and um, she, she'd forwarded it to her agent. And then I got an email from her agent saying she had a company called Hachette, the publishers were interested in it. So they, um, yeah, then gave me a call and were like, hey, we love your book. Um, we want to make it. Um, <laughs> thank you. Here's a contract. So I signed it and they, yeah, they made this book. And then um, about a year later, they um oh they they showed me all the pictures of the illustrator during the time a guy called Darren Parton he's so good and um yeah they took took control of absolutely everything I had to do literally nothing at all except for um sit back and wait for it to come out and it was fantastic I felt a bit bad about that as well actually so I really tried to plug it on all the TV shows that I work on <laughs> so <laughs> I managed to sneak it into the project and um, Seven Days and Dancing with the Stars. Which, Incredible. Which is great. <laughs> that, was, that was great. There was a, yeah, a period of there over a week where I, um, I was very much um, taking the piss with how much I was talking about that book. 
But yeah, hey, if you do if you do enjoy books for kids, sort of seven and under, Snake Brook Cake, wonderful read. Susie Cato called it a delight to read, in fact. Dang. And where can yeah, people man. buy that? Uh, at Paper Plus is the best place, because um, we had a bit of a deal going on with them. But yeah, any any good bookstores as well. Um, and I'm working on another one, got another one in the works, and working on a slightly um, slightly longer series as well, Ooh. which um, will awesome. be very exciting if it happens. Yes. Fingers crossed. Are those just more um, around the children's age, and would you ever write for slightly older ages? Yeah, I'm there for... The one that I've written that's in with the publishers at the moment is definitely for, for kids. Um, it's dentistry related, combining my two worlds there. And this and the next one is, yeah, still about that same age, the, the sort of the older um, range of that. Just because, annoyingly, I like being silly, and apparently uh, the only other people who enjoy being silly are five to seven-year-olds. <laughs> so so that, that's my wheelhouse. That's, that's who, I, who I know well. And um, yeah, my, I've got a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, so they're very, yeah, I'm, I'm used to um, being silly with those guys. <laughs> those guys, my son, <laughs> my lovely boys. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Would you call yourself a confident person? And would you, would you say comedy has helped you become more confident? Oh, yeah, I, I think I am a confident person. Um, I think comedy, comedy definitely has helped me come more confident i know i've said that in such a weasley unconfident way <laughs> um, <laughs> but but yeah I've, I've always enjoyed performing and acting and that sort of stuff and being in front of a crowd has never been an issue for me at all um but, but i guess that's only one form of confidence i guess i still get nervous for things and and i think most people do you just kind of get the more you're in front of an audience and do public speaking the more you get you to it and it just becomes so normal and natural I, I, and i guess it's just exposure theory right you, you the more you do it the less it becomes a, a big deal um and yeah i think i think when i'm doing things that i know i'm okay at i'm i'm pretty darn confident and if i'm not confident if i'm doing something that i'm not used to i'll probably play it off and be silly and and it won't really it won't really matter at all <laughs> I guess I sort of play that when I'm playing sports. I'll be like, who, who wants to be good at sports anyway? This is dumb. <laughs> sort of on the flip side to that, would you say you're someone who gets anxious? Um, yes, I, I do. I, I don't, um, not, I know anxiety is a thing that really affects some people and it doesn't so much with me. I think part of, part of getting MS is that, um, you know, it's good to not be, not live a stressful life, and I, and I, don't really at all. Um, but I think I've sort of been more mindful about that, about just relaxing because it doesn't. The things you do don't really matter. <laughs> that's quite, a, that's quite a sad thing to say about life. But um, yeah, it really doesn't matter if you screw something up. It's fine. I thought, no, you're going to be all right. The um, and I think I've, I think that kind of attitude is kind of helped with going out i've done i've done warm-up at spark arena for for five thousand people wow and it was um and it was fine you know i got quite nervous about it but it, yeah it was fine and then the very next night i did a gig to six people in palmerston north back down and to it Earth. was fine <laughs> it was they were both fine like it's um yeah there's never there's never anything too too bad 
like we're not doing surgery on people anymore. Um, <laughs> so we're not, yeah, we're not saving people's lives. So there's not too much to get too worried about, I think, in the scheme of things. Awesome. Sort of staying on that kind of topic. What's been your best and worst moment on stage or on screen? Oh, very good. Um, it's so much easier to think of the worst ones. Of course. Uh, <laughs> I once did a gig um, where there was a noisy lady in the crowd, and um, it was a it was a it was a stand-up show, but there was music in it as well, so I was singing in it. And um, this woman kept yelling out throughout the whole thing. She was very annoying. And so at one point, I was out in the crowd doing the singing, but and I and I shushed her. I put my finger to up to her lips to go like, shh, shh, shh. and she bit the end of my finger <gasps> so hard. I I was never bitten as a dentist. I was bitten as a comedian. Um, that was that was like like physical pain is quite <laughs> quite, a, quite a bad one. I've had some oh no oh, the worst gig I've ever done. Um, I, I'd won the Wellington Raw Comedy Quest in 2011, and so I was feeling real confident then. So I was like, I reckon I could do a do a corporate gig. So I got this corporate gig for an engineering firm on a boat. They flew me up to Rotorua to go on the on this boat, and they did not like what I was putting down at all. Like, and we were on a boat, so I couldn't escape. And I, I was still at that that stage of like, um. Oh, no, I've been booked to do 20 minutes. I'll do 20. I'll do that 20 minutes. Um, whereas I should have just been like, hey guys, I see that like this is let's do something else. Let's let's hang out. I should have I should have done that and maybe interacted with them a bit more. But oh that was that was awful. That was oh, I did not like that. <laughs> best best moment. <laughs> um, let's quickly turn that around. Um I was, I, I was a panelist on seven days. That was pretty that was pretty much a pinnacle for me i think it was it was fantastic um yeah i got to i was on a team with josh thompson and die henwood who are who are two of my friends and um i was so great i felt i i had recently been i I think i'd i'd got ms like a year before and it was it was oh just a no, no screw that maths up it was like three years before but it was just such a moment. I've been through this big roller coaster, and finally, I felt like I could finally call myself a comedian in front of people, mm. <laughs> rather than being a writer. And oh, I, I try stand-up comedy every so often. But like, once you've been on it, you feel like you can really sort of put it on posters and and really justify it. And the other, th- the, there were three things I wanted to do with comedy. One was be a panelist on a panel show, which I got to do on Seven Days. I wanted to be the head writer or something, which I got to be for Seven Days. And I wanted to play a bit part in a sitcom, which I got to do on Mean Mums, which is um, it's actually on air tomorrow night. So watch it. Awesome. Please. <laughs> yeah. So those are my three like comedy things and I've done them now. So like, <laughs> I don't know what to do next. Yeah. I feel like um, being a panelist on Seven Days is like, that's what most New Zealand comedians, at least, um, or people who are into comedy want to achieve. That's like top of the mountain. Totally. Yeah, exactly right. It's it's oh, it's the shows I, I watch panel shows all the time, and I work on them all the time. Again, to actually be on one was yeah, pretty pretty spectacular. How did you feel afterwards? Were you thinking, where do I go from here? Um, uh, a little bit. I I'm still just quite happy where I am. Like like I, I get to make TV shows with people most days of the week, um, and yeah, I'm I'm pretty good with it. I. There are a few things I'd like to do. I guess I'd like to, I'd like to create a TV show that is then on TV, and it's like an idea I've had. I write the tasks for Taskmaster, which is 
I feel it's fairly close to that. I get to come up with these ideas that um, that Taskmaster, the UK version, is my favourite show in the entire world. And they actually use some of the tasks I wrote for Taskmaster New Zealand on the Taskmaster. It's, which is just, it blows my mind <laughs> that somehow I've managed to weasel my way into writing something that is on my favourite TV show of all time. It's, oh, it's amazing. So yeah, I'm not too sure where to go from here. I guess one, that's why I'm kind of getting into the books a little bit more. And I think it's just keep trying new things, I guess. Fair enough. Yeah, um, Taskmaster UK is my favourite show of all time too. Oh, and so it's good! Incredible that you they used a task I wrote for the the live task on their second champion of champions. Wow! Which is that's <laughs> incredible. Christ. It's huh? such a it's such a good show. So good. And I'm so glad we get to make a New Zealand version of it as well. And I think it comes across how much of it um how much of it. Like we are such big fans of it that we're just trying to emulate it, and we and people seem to like our version, the New Zealand version, which is a, such a relief because it would be horrible to tank a version of my favourite show. How do you think Jeremy Wells stacks up against Greg Davies as Taskmaster? I think they are very different people. I think Greg Davies kind of controls the room a bit more. He is uh, he's he's a he's a obnoxious loud <laughs> very funny man i i mean i mean that as as like his character is, is very obnoxious and um yeah he's not afraid to tell people that they they've done a terrible job um he also takes great joy in when people do great things as well which i think is really strong um i think jeremy had a really difficult task because he he had the task his task was to do the job that greg davis has done and is perfect for and then he sort of had to come in and make it at his own with all that expectation on him as well. So I think he is, um, yeah, I think he's he's definitely, he was definitely a lot more confident in, in season two than he was in season one. And in season three, he's about to have an episode where he absolutely shits the bed with, with point scoring. He, uh, <laughs> oh man, it's, there are people going to talk about it online. It's, no. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, he, um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think he's he's I think he's found his his place a lot a lot um a lot better than he, than he had originally, and um but yeah he's he's a he's such a nice man Jeremy Wells, he's um yeah I think he's I think he's doing he's doing good you're doing good kiddo if you're listening. <laughs> Do you think there was more of an expectation for Jeremy to flop because he's a host on Seven Days, which is quite a a bit more lighthearted than Greg Davies' character? Se Seven sharp. Seven sharp. Sorry. Oh, very sevens. different. Very different yeah. shows. <laughs> most most of the shows in New Zealand have to have the number seven in the title, otherwise yes. we get we don't know any numbers higher than that. Um, yeah, I think because he came from a he's he's a, basically a newsreader on that show. He um he's very good at it, but yeah, coming from that side of things rather than being a stand up who interacts with people as part of their job. I think it's a very yeah, different thing. He's definitely got the gravitas that um, that Greg Davies has as well. But um, yeah, coming from that different that different background, he he reads the autocue script a lot better than Greg Davies does. <laughs> but um, and yeah, he's also a very he's a very witty man. He's very clever. He's a, he's, a, he's an absolute genius, Jeremy Wells. Um, but yeah, I think so. And so different. Having been compared directly against something like that, I think is so hard. Um, yeah, but and hey, the more we do it, the more he's going to find that, like, find the way where he sits in that niche to 
Blake, if you somehow control who gets who gets the funding, please keep funding Taskmaster New Zealand because we <laughs> we love making it so much. Only if I get to be on the show. Consider it done. <laughs> awesome. Speaking of being, on- I think you have to be you have to be a full blown stand up to do it. So um, so start doing comedy. Yeah, we'll do you do comedy? That. Having more than one comedian on the show now, it's something I've considered. But I'm a very very anxious person, especially in front of people I don't know. Even though I do theatre and host this. Um, people yeah. find that ironic, but yeah, yeah. But man, it's um, it's stand up is is theatre. It's your own little funny play that you've written, and it's six minutes long, which is nothing. And um, and you just keep working at it until it gets better and better. Everyone, everyone starts out being a bit rubbish, and it's no different from theatre. Do it, man. It's great. You'll be you'll be awesome, and then you'll be on Taskmaster. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking about being on Taskmaster, do you ever wish you were? Uh, his name has escaped me, but the um, secondary taskmaster that sits alongside Jeremy Wells. Oh, the assistant, um, yeah. Paul Williams. Yeah, the um, or Alex Horn in the UK version. Um, yeah, it would be fun. It would be good to be part of it. Um, I um, I think part of that is because of my eyesight, I can't read an auto cue. Right. So I would have to memorize all the scripts, and that would be hell. <laughs> so I wouldn't like that. But being on set would be really cool, and. Um, and be and the fact that I've come up with the ideas is um is would be awesome to be there. I think Paul Williams is just so good at it. I think he's absolutely made for that role. And he's uh, again, he's a very very clever man, very talented. We um we we grew up in Nelson in like the same area, so um so it's I, I love my boys from Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, no, I think I think I'm a much stronger writer than i would be a, a presenter on a show and saying that i'd like to uh, that's another thing i'd like i'd like to present something yeah let's let's put it down let's say it officially sam smith should present something <laughs> now going to that name sam smith is a name you share with the uk pop artist and a brewery there's a british brewery called samuel smith that's it. wow that one as well. <laughs> so how does that make you feel do you get constant comparisons constant like um i he's six years younger than me as well so he's stolen my name um it has every, every time i introduce myself by my full name people people point it out look like the singer and it's quite annoying because i'm a musician i did lots of singing i i did i did performance voice at high school that was my that was my instrument i had a singing scholarship at university I love singing, and Sam Smith has stolen that from me. Um, <laughs> but in saying that, I've also I also use it for comedy. I did a show called Sam Smith Live in Concert, um, which uh, which was very fun, amazing, and and um, and yeah, it's, it's it's another thing to talk about, which is quite good. Um, I was I was I was refer to them as uh, that duh, that. I've got the same name as that dumb singer, Sansa. Um, but yeah, oh, I wish I was as rich as him. <laughs> Should have stayed in dentistry. Should have stayed in dentistry. That's right. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Um, and I also think it's quite funny. Sam Smith is a fantastic singer, uh, myself, but also the other one. And um, uh, they, <laughs> they, I, I got, I keep getting distracted because I'm so keen to get the, pronouns right they are now a they sam smith oh. 
um, which uh, is very hard to say because if I if I say I hate them, it sounds like I'm being hateful <laughs> against um, oh, any a whole a whole range of people, but it's not. It's just the individual sentiment, and I don't and I don't hate them. They're really good. And I'm jealous. <laughs> Jealousy. That's all, it That's all it is. You're quite good at music, like your TikTok song, for example. A few people said sent to me because they found out I was interviewing you and I'd never seen it. So I saw it the other day and fell in love. I think it's one of the best songs I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was during lockdown. I got very bored and um, just started putting together little silly songs. <laughs> That one is especially silly, so so thank you. Yeah, yeah but uh, I ca- and I keep forgetting that they're up there on TikTok. I don't really use TikTok too much um, now that <laughs> we're not stuck inside twenty four seven for four months or whatever it was. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of, apart from uh, creating funny TikTok songs, what did you do during the lockdowns? I I worked on a movie script with a friend. Um, I wrote a. Uh, I wrote a sitcom with another friend. Nothing happened with any of the, those things. I also, um, I play bass in a punk band called The Itch. And we did some covers of some Alameda P songs about um, about COVID. One was, we did Verona, which was Corona, which is very clever. <laughs> and um, we did another one called Slow Times and ISO. That was um, Fast Times in Tahoe. And we, and we just made a video of it with all, with all my friends, my friend Andy Robinson is a fantastic editor and director, and so he put them all together for us. And we we just played the the things literally in this room, and they put them all together. And then we got some play on them. Um, they played it on the project and a bunch of things like that. So we, that was that was basically my lockdown. And then the other thing that kept us busy was um, they had uh, home tasking that Alex Horn ran over in the UK. So we just did all these task marks the things at home that I did with my boys and it was it was really fun it was fantastic were you excited to be back on stage be back in person for things yeah absolutely I really missed um I doing warm-up for for shows and hanging out with people it was um it was good comedians talk about some comedians talk about joke coke it's like it's um you get addicted to um the I guess the the excitement of going on stage and um and then being on stage and feeling cool, like, oh, I'm controlling this room and I'm telling jokes and it's really nice. That Your body gets used to that. And then when you don't have that, a lot of people had quite a tough time, I think, not having that in their, in their lives um, over lockdown. So when it came back, everyone just got back into the flow and was like, oh, yeah, this is great. I missed that. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, it's the, I think it's the extroverted, you, you get energy from other people kind of thing as well. Um, but I'm quite happy to chill at home. I, I really enjoyed lockdown. <laughs> I quite. When we went into the second one, I was like, oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, the Joe Coke thing, I definitely uh, can relate to it in the sense of theatre. Like once you finish a season of shows in a place and it's over and then you you just sort of feel empty inside because you don't have exactly that rush right. of being like, on stage. Do- what do I do now? And I, I always found that you get sick after, as soon as a show finishes, you get, mm-hmm. you'll get, you'll get, you'll catch the flu like instantly. <laughs> and you were fine for like the six months you were actually out in public and hanging out with people. And then as soon as you stop, your body goes, Bleh. I guess that's a lesson. Keep doing things, everyone. Yeah, but don't burn out. Oh, don't burn out. <laughs> do you get yeah, burnt take, out? Um, um, I guess I, there, 
Yes, it's probably the answer to that. Um, no, I, I wouldn't say burned out. There's never a time where I'm like, oh, screw it, I don't want to do anything. Um, I think I'm quite lucky in that my job is quite bitsy. I'll do one day a week on, on this thing and then another day on this thing. And occasionally you'll have something which is a couple of days in, the ro- in a row. But because of the change, it's always quite refreshing. So, no, I don't I don't tend to get too burnt out on anything if I, if I work on it for not too long at once. That's always good. Yeah. How has being recognized as legally blind, because I can relate, because I also am, because I have no sight in one of my eyes, Ah, uh-huh. oh, Blake, my boy! <laughs> you kept that too late in the mix. <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up just in case you didn't feel like talking about it. We're absolute twins, mate. I love it. <laughs> um, what's going on with you? You? Um, oh, here we go. Um, it's just since I was born, I have had limited vision in my right eye, and then I was mm-hmm. the youngest person in New Zealand, um, or I think Oceania, to have a cataract removed i think when i was only a few Um, months old amazing yeah and then i'm actually going to the um going back into them for the first time in 17 years this coming tuesday uh for them to tell me if they want to do surgery or not to stop my eye from getting worse so that's fun (laughs) great well fingers crossed fingers crossed they give you a robotic eye that works yeah that'd be great Uh, and so can you grab one for my left eye as well of course (laughs) we can do a thing we, um, this is another reason why I want you to get into comedy now, Blake, because there's a there's a, another blind comedian called Josh Davies, and he's fantastic. He's a great writer, and um, yeah, I'm a great comedian. And um, we've always talked about doing a show called Three Blind Mics, but we need a third blind person. So, <laughs> just saying, that's there waiting for you. Well, once now, you get into it, now I can say if I ever do start my comedy career, Sam Smith forced me to do this. So that's great. <laughs> Please do. Please do. I would be an honor. Um, what was the, what's the question? Oh, the, the blind, um, yeah, I've always felt, um, cause I'm, I'm, I'm legally blind. I'm not allowed to drive. I fully fit the criteria to be a blind person, but it feels so inappropriate to say that. Cause I know so many people are way more worse off than me. Like Josh Davies, for example, he has 15% vision in one of his eyes and I have, I have twenty five percent in this eye and seventy five in this eye, so I'm I'm pretty good. So I always feel a bit bad about saying blind. I always say low vision when I'm when I'm describing myself. Hmm. But then you can't really get out there and be like, "Hey, who here is low vision?" Because everyone thinks it's just like, "Oh yeah, I wear glasses." And you're like, "No, you're not one of me," and I don't want to <laughs> abuse people who um who <laughs> who are who do have do have to wear glasses or wear contacts or that, that kind of thing. Hmm. Um. So, but I. But I'm kind of running out of things to talk about on stage, so I need to. So I might have to start getting into it. I think. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. play it off as who you are and just go for gold. Yeah, that's right. And I and I host the Blind Low Vision NZ podcast, which is called Revision. Um, which, um, like, I'm going to have to talk to you on that show. <laughs> I'd be honoured. <laughs> now that I know this, hell yes. And um, uh, yeah, so yes, let's do that. Let's do that sometime. Definitely, let's lock it in now. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I, and yeah, so so yeah, it's this weird thing of I, I'm not, I don't feel quite blind enough to talk about it yet. Um, yeah. So fingers crossed, my eyesight gets worse, so I can. <laughs> I I never like saying I'm blind because to me, I've always associated blind people with like you know people wearing glasses and walking around with a cane, and I'm just like I'm yeah. still walking around normal normally. So yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't feel like I qualify. We're <laughs> in this. This is what, and this is what half cast people like. I don't think the term half cast is inappropriate. I've heard, I've heard people say yeah, no, people who have uh, have a um, like a, a parent of one um, uh, ethnicity or background and, and different of the other, and they don't know how they they fit in with with society. They don't know whether they fall to one side or the other or both. And I guess that's kind of what we're like as well. Mm. We we have this into this world, but we uh, are lucky in a way that we don't. We're not fully in it. Yeah, exactly right. We it doesn't affect us too poorly like it does some of the other people. So yeah, it's hard to know where to where to place and what you can say about that. Mm, we sort of just dipped our toes in the pool rather than other people who have swimming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> it's like I've got I've got I'm not allowed to drive, but I've got a disabled car park pass thing that i can use if, if i'm with other people not not me driving if someone else is driving <laughs> um they can they can use it and i always just feel a bit bad i don't tend to use it at all i'll just be like oh there's another park there what do i need to walk 50 meters i can do that easily that's fine hmm. um so you always feel a bit off about that but maybe that's the issue maybe that's what i could talk about <gasps> i want to credit <laughs> yeah you go i forced you into comedy you forced me into talking about my my low vision. You know what? Sounds right. great. <laughs> <laughs> Who inspires you, and do you take inspiration from other forms of art other than comedy? Ooh, who inspires me? Hmm. No one really. I'm a trailblazer. Of course you are. <laughs> <laughs> the um, I. But yeah, I in, initially I got into comedy because I was such a massive fan of Rowan Atkinson. Um. Not so much Mr. Bean, but he had this um, he had this show called Rowan Atkinson Live, which was a little sketch show. Um, he did it on he did it in in England, and um, it's it's sort of a one man show. But Angus Deaton's also in it, and Richard Curtis did the music for it. Anyway, it was the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and I knew all the words to it when I was six years old. And it's quite dirty, so that's very bad parenting by by my parents. But the um, but yeah, I think I think that sort of formed my comedy brain it's it's very silly and um just from that i just sort of that's what i get so i, I guess that was sort of my initial inspiration these days comedy wise I, I get inspiration from i think i just copy people eh? like <laughs> i just see something like oh i'd like a go at that mm. and do that so i think it's i think it's pro- probably everyone as far as far as other forms of art goes, for inspiring comedy, yeah, music is a is a huge part of part of what I do. Um, when I do do comedy, I I'll, I'll write silly songs and and, and perform those. Um, not so much art. I don't really know much about art. Also, I'm legally blind. This so is true. Art is. I suppose art doesn't have to be visual, but um, uh, yeah, I think. I think yeah. I, just just watching other people do comedy is a is makes me either go, oh, that was great, I want to do it, or oh, I could do better than that. <laughs> I think it's yeah. Steve Jobs who yeah. said, "Good artists copy, great artists steal." So yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And The Simpsons has done everything I've ever done before. So, um, so okay. well, Steve Simpsons- Jobs, he he was a clever man who decided way too late to get treatment for us. <laughs> Pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic? Liver? I think one, so. of those. one of those. Grim, grim no matter what. Exactly. Simpsons, though, predicts the future. So, you yeah. know, of course, everybody copies. Yeah. 
they're great they're great <laughs> what a great I, I guess the simpsons is probably another thing I'm, I'm one of the first things i was really obsessed with and the writing in that is mwah, it's yeah, fantastic it's, it's incredible yeah yeah i've just recently gotten back into the simpsons because i loved it as a younger kid but then now at 17 i've just discovered it again and falling in love again yeah oh yeah the joke the joke rate's really high the jokes are fantastic mm. especially in the early seasons i hope it keeps seasons. going for <laughs> especially yeah, in the early yeah. seasons are great yeah that's right and um, but even then people people shit on the simpsons for being for kind of lost its way and i guess it has but it's also been running for 30 seasons like they have to do more things with that they've got that time to fill but i think the jokes the jokes they they have are still brilliant it's still great they're still they're still finding new ways to hang out with these five yellow people for <laughs> um yeah all this time later yeah but i guess um some people saying that the simpsons lost its way they've also had to modernize and go with what is okay and not okay to say on tv totally and that's a, quite a hard balance eh? that changes it changes year to year there are things we said on seven days two years ago that we probably wouldn't say now um and yeah and yeah you've got to kind of it's about knowing your audience and knowing who you're talking to in the context of which your whatever you've made is being presented and that you have to be aware of even though you can't always be in control of where that um, where that's going to be especially with things being online now man if that tiktok song goes somewhere <laughs> oh, oh i could get in trouble for that i can't actually remember what's in it you should remember you should take things. a look yeah it's <laughs> good it's good <laughs> <laughs> No, does that make writing comedy hard with the constant changing world of what's okay and not okay to say? I think being a writer is quite good because you can just write anything and you give it to someone else and they make that decision. Right. So um, while there is like a bit of frustration about like you could have written a great joke that you think is um, awesome. I've written a joke that um, I wrote for the comedy debate that's on tonight. We're filming it tonight. The great comedy debate. Kano Lloyd is hosting it and um, she's great. She's very funny. Um, and yeah, I've written the script for it and the, yeah, there are some jokes in there that I thought, oh, these are pearlers. These are great. And she's come back and said like, yes, I like it. I just don't quite feel confident saying it. <laughs> and that's fine, of course. So we, cause it's all about, I'm um, giving her things that she's, she's going to deliver things that she believes in way more than she's going to do, um, uh, any, anything that she's got, even the slightest bit of, um, hesitancy about and so um so i think it's quite easy you um um you can write anything someone else makes the decision and then they can um yeah it's sort of on them whether they they do it or not when you're doing it yourself in stand-up you you kind of get the instant feedback from the audience anyway you um they will laugh at a thing that's appropriate and not at something that's not and then you slowly get used to used to that happening the more and more you do it hmm do you do you think it's easier to get cancelled for something you've written for a TV show or something you say in a live stand-up sense? Um, it's probably easy to get cancelled for something you've said live in a stand-up because as a writer, you hide behind the other people. <laughs> he said it, <laughs> which is very relaxing for me. <laughs> Lovely. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's an issue. Right? Like the the fact that people can, like I said comedians like to push the boat out a bit um that's where you find new ground and things that are funny sometimes you get it wrong and um you go in a wrong direction you don't pick the audience you don't you don't 
can't pick the right context for something and you end up saying something that doesn't um doesn't fly or doesn't land and um yeah i think it's i always think it's a bit unfair when if someone sees a joke like and they get issues out of that jokes are jokes are jokes they're they're stupid and they don't mean anything yeah and um yeah, being having having your entire career cancelled because of one stupid little line, I, th- I think is a bit unfair. It's all the, it's all the sex offenders. They should be locked up and put in prison. They, <laughs> they should focus on those people rather than the than the um the people trying to make some guys giggle in a pub somewhere. I think it was Jimmy Carr who said, "You can joke about anything. It's just a matter of knowing your audience." Do you think that's true? Totally true. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Carr's a great comedian. He is very um very studious about it he sort of studies it he's got a great book called the naked jape which is why i'm looking over there i think it's just over there and it um yeah it's just a good rundown of all that kind of background to comedy and the history of it and and uh, it's a really good good book so, so support that multi-millionaire by buying his book support that multi-millionaire who evaded his taxes for a few years <laughs> <laughs> but i but i think he's i think he's up to date now yeah he's up to date now but just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah hey that's he's busy man he's he's he tours constantly mm. and he hosts the the biggest panel shows in the uk he's doing all right for himself he's all right <laughs> yeah if you had to give a younger version of yourself or someone who is just wanting to get into comedy or someone who is too scared to get into comedy some advice, what would you say to them? Oh, very good. Um, I would say it's basically just that you've got to kind of take the plunge and do it. Do it as much as you can. Like, um, you don't... We got told this when we were doing Class Comedians. Um, you don't know whether you like stand-up or not until you've done it about 50 times. So... Do it. Do it regularly. Um, write six minutes of comedy um, or what you think is comedy. Get out there, perform it, record it, listen back to it, see when people are laughing. Keep those bits where people laugh. Get rid of the bits where people aren't laughing. Um, um, kind of condense it as much as you can so you end up with more jokes within that six minutes. So you have as basically as many laughs as you can in a minute, in those six minutes. And then from that, extend it out, get a little bit more, get a little bit more um, uh, the other thing is the community is really awesome. Everyone's really cool. Um, so we're really cool in the comedy community. Um, but yeah, it's a lovely friendship group to have as well as doing this silly thing of just getting out and making people laugh. It's it's comedy is great. It's so fun. You meet great people and um, and it's cool, man. Like people, people are impressed that people do stand up comedy, which is, which anyone can do it. It's open to everyone. No matter who you are, people want to hear. We want to hear people's um, uh, view on life from whoever you are. So, um, yeah, do it, man. And once you get there, you'll absolutely love it. So many people just, it, it becomes an obsession. Um, so if, you, if you're willing to get into an obsession, then, yeah, give comedy a go. Joke coke. <laughs> yeah, get on the joke coke. <laughs> Now that you've been on the show, unfortunately not in the box, but in the virtual box, who yeah. else would you want to hear on the show? Oh, um, there are so many good people. Um, any, definitely more more comedians, um, but also people from other walks of life. Who do I want the Briscoes lady? I want to hear more <laughs> from her. She never do, she never talks much, does she? No. I know her name's Tammy. And I know that her son is friends with my friend Kyle. 
<laughs> Maybe you can put us in touch. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try hook you up. But yeah, um, yeah. Any sort of anyone from any any of those people that you know of, you just I'm just always fascinated by just how people live their lives when they've got like one sort of area where they're super famous like that. It's interesting. So yeah, Briscoe's ladies top of list. Um, second on list. Do you want a list? Yeah, sure. Go for a list, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who else do I want to hear from? Musicians. I love musicians. It'd be cool to hear about working musicians, people at sort of my level of um, people who are working musicians who aren't famous. So, so people who are gigging, going around, finding out stuff. It'd be great to hear about what a, what a drummer does. <laughs> they lug their gear around. That's, I used to play drums in a jazz band when I was at uni and it was so much lugging. You get everything set up and then I suppose you got to sit down the whole time and, and play. But um, mm. yeah, but, you know, I always felt jealous of people with flutes. They just wander in with their little tiny flute <laughs> and fold it out. They'd be ready to go in nine seconds. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're taking taking 45 minutes to lug in your, <laughs> your bass drums and your, everything. But then you get to be real cool and play the drums. So uh, I guess swings and roundabout. Um, the, um, I was just thinking though, I also, for the, maybe the final episode of this season, I want to hear you interview you. I want you to, I want you to record one half of the interview of you talking to yourself and then answering back. Or I could just get all my guests to send in a question each. That's a great idea. <laughs> That's a great idea. I've thought of I've I've thought about how it's going to end because of course I'm not going to I'm not going to be at radio school forever so I thought of once I record my last episode here that'll be the end of that like the radio school season um, yeah and then nice after that it'll be different Beamrack will evolve that's brilliant yeah I'm looking forward definitely to it. do it it's so good podcasts are great man they um it's it's that thing of just giving it's basically stand up but you don't have an audience <laughs> yeah you're making content and and meeting people and connecting and um and oh it's just great <laughs> more subtle hints as to blake start doing comedy <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> oh boy you're gonna love it mate become one of us and finally sam where can the people find you or things that you're up to oh yes i am uh, uh you can find me online i am at Real Big Smith, that's R-E-E-L-B-I-G-S-M-I-T-H on Twitter and Instagram, I think. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm big on Twitter. I'm not so big on Instagram, but I'll, I'll put up the occasional photo. Um, but yeah, if, um, watch the things that I'm in. I'm in mean Mums is, is, is on. That would be great if people watch that. I am. I filmed a bit for Shortland Street that's going to be on on the 5th of September. If, if you're somehow listening to this before that. And um, Taskmaster, please watch Taskmaster. The more people that watch Taskmaster, the more chance there is of me getting to make more of it. And I absolutely love it. So please do that. And then come and watch live TV show recordings in, in Auckland. We make them all the time. The project, um, have you been paying attention? Seven days, uh, Patriot Brains when it's on. Um, yeah, Dancing with the Stars. Anything and everything that's on. Um, there is a Facebook group called Auckland TV Studio Audiences. Sign up to that you'll get to come and see see big famous comedians in real life 
and um and yeah those are always such a great time and we love having people come along so please come to those and be a loud clappy person in the audience to make my job as the warm-up guy easier <laughs> awesome sam thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me literally any time this has been a delight <laughs> Wait, not literally. I don't want to do this in the middle of the night. Like anytime during the day. <laughs>